everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for us talking about movies, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us at the Media Boat Podcast. This is September the 5th. 2023 we are in september it is almost fall y'all can you believe it and it's episode 399 which means big 400 is next week yes uh i mean i don't i think we might have skipped a week there when we did our shuffling otherwise we would have had a episode 400 labor day special but Eh, hey we're here uh 400 will be next week but before we get there we gotta talk about 399 we do, and... It used to be the price of hamburgers until, you know, inflation. Are you out of your mind? We know that's nine ninety nine. Never mind. <laughs> Anyways, let's get right into this episode let's... then, shall we? And we start with the music section. We start the music section with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the Hot 100, Note. except... Note, real quick. Uh, so, Labor Day, when there's a holiday and 3D weekend, the billboard... That typically goes up on Tuesdays is delayed slightly. However, I was able to scrape up 90% of the Hot 100 and the Billboard 200 this week from news articles. I am missing the number five in the Billboard 100, but everything else I've got for you. So I did my best with what I was given. Doesn't that make it 80%? Whatever. I didn't do the math. Go just. I just, just did. Read. <laughs> Stop doing the math. One fifth. You missed one fifth of the top five. Okay, fine. One fifth. Regardless, let's let's read what I have. How about that? Yes. Well, we're going to start with your number one song in the land. I remember everything by Zach Bryan, featuring Casey Musgraves. So, real quick note about this. This is a debut number one single for Zach Bryan from the record Zach Bryan. We'll be talking about Zach Bryan a little later. Also note, this is Casey's first number one. Uh, She finally did it. She just had to be on somebody else's song. Featuring Casey Musgraves. Mm -hmm. Um, First number one on the Hot 100. Correct. I believe uh, Dingle and I will get number one on the Billboard 200. Yes, I'm talking about specifically number one single on the Hot 100. You're right. Yep. All right. Uh, Well, I guess I can use the country theme because at number two, Fast Car by Luke Combs. Uh, at three, Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat. Coming at four, Last Night by Morgan Wallen. And running out your top five, soon to be announced Taylor Swift song. Nah, who knows? It might be, but I don't know. I wasn't able to find it in their news story about it. All right. Uh, as for your album chart, your billboard 200, as mentioned, at number one, Zach Bryan by Zach Bryan. Featuring Zach Bryan mm-hmm. is your number one uh, album this week. Coming at two, Utopia by Travis Scott. At three, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Coming at four, Midnight by Taylor Swift. And we're going to get your top five, SOS by SZA. SZA jumping from number 11 back to number five this week, thanks to the strength of a new music video for her song Snooze. So it was enough to proper back up. 
<laughs> no, uh, no snooze. You're not allowed to snooze. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just I hear snooze. I really go go to back to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the story this week is Zach Bryan, and I'll talk about the Zach Bryan record a little bit later. Uh, but yes, we'll yes. But right if you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Uh, starting with and returning with the Returner by Allison Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have the Devil I Know. By Ashley McBride. End of the Day by Courtney Barnett. Playing Robots Into Heaven by James Blake. Uh, Guts by Olivia Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Yes, we will finally have it. Yes. The end to this joke. Guts. <laughs> Do you have it? Not until I mean, we will on Friday. <laughs> uh, we also have Hit Parade by Rosen Murphy. Back to the Water Below by Royal Blood. Bird Machine by Sparkle Horse. Or That Beautiful Feeling by The Chemical Brothers. And lastly, Brand New Soul by Angel Dust uh, with the money sign in there. Yes. So, uh, like you the said, we're we'll talking about yes, money to cash to, to dollars. <laughs> But yes, so uh, we'll be talking about Olivia Rodrigo next week. We'll have all of Guts to talk about. And also, I'll probably listen to that Courtney Barnett record. Um, but yeah, something for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you can listen to it at the end of the day. <laughs> Anyways, let's get right into our music news. Yes. And hey, when did microphones start having wings? Because they're flying all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> yep. So, 50 Cent. Oh, uh, sorry. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson <laughs> yes. might be in serious legal trouble after angrily striking a concert goer in the head with a microphone during his final lap tour stop at Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles on August 30th. Videos of the altercation started surfacing soon after the concert wrapped and depicted a frustrated 50 Cent hurling his microphone into the crowd not once, but twice. The rapper was reportedly upset because the microphones were not working and threw the first one with a little force. But once the second microphone failed, he launched it into the audience with amplified energy. The final lap tour uh, incorporates special guests, including YG, who was performing on stage at the time that 50 Cent hit the audience member. The Los Angeles Police Department was not able to confirm to Variety that a police report had been filed, although a representative did confirm that one had not been filed at Crypto.com Arena in connection with the incident. Yeah, so another example of this. This seems to be a story every single week. Either somebody's throwing something at an artist or an artist is throwing something at the audience. It's kind of getting out of hand. Um 50 Cent should know, of all people, to avoid things coming at you very quickly. Um, because, you know, he's had his own share of that in the past. But, I don't know. Oh, yeah. He's throwing it into Crypto.com. It's not like he's make, marking some, like, blood in the sand or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, it's a weird story. I just hope that there may be a stop to this at some point. Just, like, stop 
Stop throwing shit. You, you know how you make a stop to this? You ground the microphone and run a solid line from the microphone to the audio <laughs> output board. Enough with the wireless microphones. Yeah. We've had enough of them. Yeah, too much interference. Don't give them weapons. Anyways. All right. Um, uh, yeah. Speaking of giving them weapons, someone has given Taylor Swift the uh, the keys to AMC theaters. Because <laughs> in case you work completely off of social media, uh, I mean, we kind of called this, but Taylor Swift is a penultimate, ultimate, final, most recent <laughs> concert, the Eras Tour, will be coming to a theater near you. Yes. You know, for about one-tenth the price. <laughs> so anyone who couldn't actually procure actual tickets to see actual Taylor Swift in an actual concert venue in the actual United States because she's now touring outside uh, internationally, mm -hmm. well, you may be about to have your wounded feelings assaged just a bit. Assuaged. Assaged. <laughs> and everyone who did actually go to the said concert can get primed for some instant nostalgia. Months of nostalgia. Because, as we kind of hinted at and as was reported, there was a filmed rendering of Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour concert. And it's done. Mostly. It's complete. And will hit movie theaters nationwide. Not next year. Not next month. Wait, no, not even yes. It is next, next month. Not even next year. It is next month, uh, mm -hmm. October thirteenth. Uh, yeah, we're just over one month away from this thing. Uh, which you know, it being falling on Friday the thirteenth, but mm -hmm. also thirteenth being Taylor Swift's lucky number, of course. So this is far from a one of a kind from from a one night. Duh. Let me rephrase that. It's far from the kind of one or two night special engagement that music fans have become used to with these filmed concert experiences in cinemas. AMC Theaters is promising that the film will play at every one of its U.S. locations at least four times a day on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays <laughs> through its initial engagement. With many of the chain's IMAX and Dolby Cinema locations locked in to ensure the singer remains larger than life on its premium screens. The film will also play on Cinemark and Regal screens in the US, with other theater chains expected to be added. And so, this yeah. is no surprise, especially since what other studio is putting out a movie currently? <laughs> Nobody in the two movies that were going to come out that weekend have both moved off the schedule, one ahead and one completely TBA. So, um, yeah, this came out of nowhere. But like you said, we did have some hints that there was going to be a filmed uh, presentation. But the big surprise here was its theatrical release, because obviously the gut instinct was to be like, oh, this will end up on Netflix. This will end up on a streaming service. But I guess Taylor saw an opportunity here, a relatively light movie theater season that's become lighter thanks to the strikes. 
So it makes sense. Why not carve out some of that time, give some, give the movie theaters more action, and get Taylor on another record that she hasn't beaten yet, which is the box office, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, we'll talk about the record for the box office in the bot in the movie section. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for people who've already seen the concert, already went to the concert. You can go relive it again. Wear your attire. Wear your new attire. Wear the other attire. Meet other Taylor Swift fans. Um, because this is considered a prolonged special engagement, it technically doesn't follow traditional uh, theatrical releases and um, guidelines. <laughs> Meaning, she can set her price for yes. this. And she did so in the most uh, Taylor Swift way imaginable. With <laughs> yeah. movie tickets going for... Did you notice that the kids' tickets are $13.13? So are the senior tickets, yes. Yeah, it's good. Um, So yeah, um, as soon as I saw this, I jumped and grabbed some tickets. Uh, We're not on the Friday show the day of, uh, because those were all pretty much sold out. Not completely. If I absolutely wanted to go, I could have found some single tickets on the edge of an aisle. But we ended up choosing the next morning because... At the, that time, nobody had gotten any tickets yet. So we were able to get prime seating, back row, middle uh, for that one, which I'm very excited for. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of be part of that vibe since we weren't able to go to the actual concert. So having that kind of similar atmosphere in a movie theater sounds really cool. And it'll be a nice opportunity. It's okay, because now you'll have literally the best seat in the house. Right. Exactly. With the best angles. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be standing in lines, waiting for food, waiting for uh, the restroom, yeah, waiting for Taylor Swift to come out, and based on the runtime of two hours and 40 minutes, yes, waiting for costume and stage changes. So yes, that is a key thing about this. It is the entire set list. They promised all songs will be in there. As for surprise songs, there is said to be a montage, a collection of surprise song clips. Um, that's all we know. Um, but as for, yeah, the runtime, it's that way because like you, uh, you just said, they are cutting costume changes in transitions. So it'll, yeah, it'll be an edited version of what you got if you went to the show. Um, more recently, what we did see with the weekend at SoFi on Max was that that was an hour and a half of just straight music of him playing, um, Mm -hmm. even though the concert itself was three hours. Yeah. It did get cut down, especially with the transitions and cutting of the delays and just pure concert. So if it's anything like that that we've seen, and we know that they were filming at SoFi Stadium, I'm expecting something similar. Oh, yeah. I I imagine that that's what the template that they were using was. Um, So, yeah, that's more or less what to expect. Last thing I'll say about it, if you're absolutely insane, more insane than I am, Yes, there are, depending on your brand, uh, your theater chain you're going to, collectible cups and popcorn containers that will feature Taylor on them. So act accordingly. I wasn't that intense. I was like, we're good. I'm not going to have popcorn at 1030 in the morning and <laughs> bring my coffee in. That's all I need. But yeah, uh, it, I thought that was just worth noting for the dedicated out there. I don't know. It might look good next to my... Other released cups of this year being that of Barbie and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
but yeah, I'll have feedback feedback about that then on the show after uh October October 13th. So look forward to my story yeah. of Taylor in a theater. Yeah. Um also uh because I mentioned it earlier, just want to re-clarify, because this is a special engagement and they they don't know how long it's going to run for in mm-hmm. theaters, you can't use your free tickets that you may have. Yes, right. No your, passes um, accepted. Yeah. Yep. No passes accepted. It you is. You have to buy a ticket. A special uh, showing, which means yeah, it's not eligible for that thing. Yes, because I thought, man, because uh, I've uh, was it Cinemark passes? Like, yeah, I could just see Taylor Swift for free. Nope. No, I can't. No, you can't. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's a good it's a good price, even for a matinee, which is what I'm seeing. But whatever. So, right. Anyways, anyways, that uh, we'll talk a little more about box office Taylor in the movie section. Yes. But hey, you listen to some stuff. Yeah, uh, I'll be quick. First up, I said last week I was going to listen to the new Jeff Rosenstock record, Hell Mode. I did. It's already one of my favorites of the year. Of course, I knew it was going to be. Jeff's still a punk lifer. It's a very lively punk record, but there's slower moments this time. Um, There's some more reflective self-examination happening here. Um, But otherwise, it's if you like Jeff Rosenstock, here's more. If you're just introduced to him recently after getting really into the Craig of the Creek soundtrack, well, here you go. Check out his music. Unless you're 13, maybe wait. Um, But yeah. It's good stuff. Um, and yeah, it's one it's uh, easily another classic in his catalog. Um the other thing I checked out was just out of curiosity, curiosity, morbid curiosity, because I knew we would be talking about it this week, thanks to the billboard charts. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So I checked out Zach Bryan. Um, so I don't know how I feel about this guy. Are you so what's your um uh angle to Zach Bryan, seeing as you know a lot of his country compatriots? What did you know about him going into this release? Uh this is the first time I'm hearing of Zach Bryan. Okay. The singer. Yeah. Okay, so no context at all? Nope. Okay. So what I've been able to gather is that he's had a little bit of a cult uh, following. He is a country artist, but he operates more on the fringes and the alt-country kind of zone. Um, although he doesn't seem to have a lot of crossover with a lot of the other big country names we've been hearing from lately, like your Morgan Wallens. Um, he's like, he seems like he steers clear of them, like he's been outspoken about some political issues, um, including he was a big... Um, uh, proponent of uh, COVID regulations and vaccination, and he was seemed like he was more on the progressive side of things in a lot of 2020 and forward uh, kind of conversations that were happening in the country world. Um, so he, but at the same time, though, he also seems to ignite the same kind of fervor uh, that a Morgan Wallen does. He has a dedicated fan base that likes to push him into like uh, the the public eye more than apparently he wants to be. It seems he's kind of a reclusive, shy dude. Um, and I think that comes across in his music. So I listened to the most of this record. I say most of. I couldn't quite make it all the way through. And there's a reason for that. It suffers from streamingitis, just like so many of these other country records lately. It's too long and it's a little samey after a certain point. The guy loves sounding like. He is right up next to the microphone and is clipping like crazy. 
He's very blown out. He's very like lo-fi in his recording style. There's a little bit of a charm to it. And I get that maybe some people are attracted to that kind of sound. It's very much like singer songwriter by the campfire kind of deal. But there's just something about the quality and the, the the crispiness to it that I just, it really bugged me. And it wasn't really drawing me into the song. It was kind of distracting me from it. Um, I think the Billboard Hot 100 is accurate when they say that the best song on this thing is the duet with Casey Musgraves. I think Casey's voice really ignites a flame under him. And there's a lot more happening melodically with the song as opposed to a lot of the slower numbers. Um, if the lyrics are to believed in this thing, he's also a fan of... Uh, um, uh, Turnpike Troubadours, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, and so yeah, um, it's it's fine. It's folksy. It's lo-fi. It's I think if you already like what Zach Bryan is doing, this is not going to change that. If you are waiting to be converted to the Zach Bryan religion, I don't know if that's going to do it for you. It's very much his thing. He does a very specific thing, and I'm glad it's successful for him. But it's not for me. Is I think ultimately where I landed. Uh, but hey. I feel like he slots up next to Hosier as, oh, it's that artist that your hot friend keeps telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I know. Zach Bryan's for somebody, not for me, but uh, yeah, I'm glad, I guess, that he's, he, unlike, you know, the Morgan Wall Wallens and Oliver Anthony's of the world, I'm glad he's getting some attention this week. Well, the first hint of Stagecoach just dropped today. Mm -hmm. um with eric church being probably featured in the uh real so good chance he's gonna be there but hey i mean if this is a top album with a top song you might see him there yeah at like a 2 p.m slot <laughs> yeah yeah maybe we'll see honestly i don't know uh, maybe I'll check it out. Maybe yeah, we'll get more airplane. How about this? Listen to the Casey Musgraves duet. Mm -hmm. That is a litmus test for whether you'll like the rest of the record or not. Because if the production does not bug you, then you're probably scot-free. You're good. Okay. But if you were like, why does it sound like this? Maybe it's not for you. That's Everything opinion. sounds like it? It kind of worse in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Okay. Well, it is his fourth studio album in like yeah four years <laughs> prolific apparently <laughs> all right let's move on yes let's move on then into video games and we start with new releases uh meaning you can play chance of Senar for the ps4 xbox one switch and pc monochrome mobius colon rights and wrongs forgotten for the ps4 and ps5 War Stride Challenges for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. I just want to say that is my favorite game name of the week because I got, love the idea of a video game being colon champ challenges. Like, <laughs> here's some challenges for you. You're wondering what you're going to do in this game? You're going to tackle some challenges. Uh, we also have Anonymous Code for the PS4, Switch, and PC. Anonymous semicolon code. Faith Farm for the Switch and PC. Mm -hmm. But everything got out of the way, or at least all the big releases, because it's almost that time as October creeps up. So does the start of basketball season. And this, thus we get the next 
iteration of those games. NBA 2K24, up for everything. You got it. You can play it. It's this year's basketball game. Yep. So, basketball time. Uh, side note, if you were waiting for Starfield, if you weren't in on the um, advance, uh, being able to play it five days early that hit last week, well, it activates tonight. Um, as I speak in 20 minutes here in California, uh, tonight for the most of the U.S. and most of the world, some of the world doesn't get until tomorrow morning. But yeah, so if you've been waiting to play the Game Pass version of Starfield that you didn't have to pay $100 for, you'll be able to do that tonight. Uh, I mean, we'll get... So means we'll get our your thoughts on Starfield. Yes. So yeah. Next week. Unlike what I said last time, yes, I wouldn't. I did not be. I was not able to play it before the recording tonight. So yes, next week, big Starfield everything. I'll have a stream of it um, coming up. I don't know if I'm going to stream it tonight. I'm going to probably try to get ahead a few hours into it tonight and then play maybe a stream of it on Thursday instead. From what I've read on it from other people, it's a Bethesda game. Yes, that is my what I am expecting. I am not <laughs> expecting anything more than that. The reviews were interesting, uh, needless <laughs> to say, and the reaction was all over the place. So I am very excited to get my hands on it tonight, create a character, just kind of sink into the world, and then tell you what I think next week. All right, let's get into some video game news then. And hey, this isn't movies or TV, but we're going to talk about SAG after. So it is video game related. Yes, because SAG-AFTRA, the union for U.S. actors, is moving towards a potential strike against video game publishers. Uh, the union, which is behind the Hollywood actor strike, which has taken place since July, said on Friday it had authorized a member's vote after it reached a stalemate in negotiations with game companies such as Activision, and Take-Two over wages and AI protection. SAG-AFTRA is seeking an 11% increase in wages for game performers, which is the same it's seeking for those who work under film and television contracts. It also wants protections from AI, which it says poses a threat to performers' artistry and livelihoods. So the exact same things that they want for movies and TV... Hey, video games are actors too. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, while the iron is hot, this is the time to strike on this as well. Why not uh, just gather um, this all? Pun intended. Uh, yes, pun intended. Um, it, and yes, if this sounds familiar, it's because this did happen fairly recently. And back in 2016, 2017, uh, there was a voice acting strike that affected the video game industry for a period of time. Uh, it's why Scab voice actors voiced the Life is Strange Before the Storm prequel uh, series mm -hmm. that came out instead of the original voice actors for that series. So it wouldn't be the first time, and it would coincide with the existing strike, which would mean there wouldn't be a whole lot of options um, out there. Um, yeah, who knows what if this will happen? This is not official yet. This is just a vote saying that they are ready to if there's no contract. Or we just go back to the text boxes. <laughs> just wipe out the, the 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 voice samples altogether. Just read. Read, yeah. damn it. Read. Make your own voices in your head. Use them. <laughs> but yeah, obviously we'll update everybody if this does happen. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about what that means. But before that, 
But before that, we have an update. Yeah, a sad story from Saints Row developer Volition. Yeah. Um, well, the studio has been shut down, quote, effective immediately. Mm. Message from the studio reads, quote, The Volition team has proudly created world-class entertainment for fans around the globe for 30 years. We've been driven by a passion for our community and always worked to deliver joy, surprise, and delight. This past June, Embracer Group announced a restructuring program to strengthen Embracer and maintain its position as a leader in the video game industry. As part of that program, they evaluated strategic and operational goals and make the difficult decision to close Volition effective immediately. To help our team, we are working to provide job assistance and help smooth the transition for our Volition family members. We thank our customers and fans around the world for all the love and support over the years. You will always be in our hearts. So, I'll close quote. Um, this means that St. Row killed Volition? So, there's a lot of ways to read this. Um, yeah, you're right. The last uh, Saints Row game was a disappointment financially and critically uh, for Volition, and and I'm sure that did lead to at least some of why this decision was made. But also, Embracer has been in the news for making a lot of big decisions lately uh, about cutting costs. It seems like they went on a large buying spree in anticipation of having a big deal made that would make that money back. Like we reported a few months ago, that big deal didn't happen. And so all of that buying ended up just being a waste of their money, according to them and their shareholders. And so now they're stuck with the decision. Well, now that we have all this stuff, what do we do with it? And I think they probably just looked at the numbers and looked at Volition and just decided we the, the rolling the dice on them making a game that makes a billion dollars is more of a risk than they're willing to take when they could just cut their losses, shut them down, and focus on other things while they're continuing to restructure Embracer. It just sucks that this happens to be, like, the casualty as part of this is Volition, a company that's made, in my opinion, one of the best games of the on the Xbox 360, which is Saints Row the Third. Like, it sucks that a, that a studio that made such a classic now just doesn't exist. And... Having played that recent modern Saint Row reboot recently, it's not the worst game in the world. I think it got a big bad rap. It's very simple and it, it like doesn't have a whole lot of you know new ideas in it. Um, but I thought it was pretty good at what it did, and it did hint at the potential for something better to come down the row road in the same way Heather Row. Uh, in the same way that the first and second Saint Rose kind of Saints Rose hinted at what Saints Row three and four would do, so if given an opportunity, I think Volition would have gotten there and with that franchise again, but now they're just not going to have an opportunity to do it, and that to me is pretty sad. It's also such a weird timing because Saints Row just became available on PlayStation Plus for the month. Yes, I just saw that. It's sad, but yeah, if you yeah. want to play the last thing that those guys poured their hearts into. At least you can now. Um, I mean, you did play it recently. You said that some of the bugs were fixed from the previous year. Yeah, that was the best news is that it launched pretty buggy and now it played pretty seamless. Uh, so if you were worried that 
it was going to be an incomplete feeling game. They've completed it. It seems like it's the game that they should have put out originally when it first came out. So I recommend it if you do have PlayStation, uh, like I do have a PlayStation uh, subscription to try it out. Speaking of PlayStation subscriptions, this is probably our moment to mention the other big news story that dropped this uh, week, which yep. is that prices are going up for all tiers of PlayStation uh, subscriptions. Yep, that is a price increase starting tomorrow as they're according to this pro- podcast, meaning September 6th, prices will increase for the 12-month subscription, and all others will increase based on that as well. So, so your be, new yeah. your new 12-month subscription fee will be Eighty dollars, uh, yeah. $7.99, $99, but $80, eighty bucks for a PlayStation Plus essential subscription. Yeah, it's just your basic get your free games and your access to multiplayer online. Yeah. If you yeah. want the PlayStation Plus Extra, it's a hundred and thirty-five dollars. That's going up thirty-five dollars there, and your PlayStation Plus Premium. Uh, which gets you access to the cloud-based streaming games, $160 a year. I think this might be when I cancel. I thought about it, and I'm like, I don't touch this thing at all. And I really was like, why am I paying for it? When you start getting into the 130 something for that mid-tier, it becomes almost a question of, oh, I do this for a year, or I get like MLB TV for a year. Like It becomes a different tier of it almost feels like a luxury service now as opposed to the Xbox stuff that seems much, much cheaper. And it's like, it's weird that they're making this huge gulf now between them and their competitors. Nothing costs this much. It's also weird that they're making this price increase without saying what else you're getting for it. You're not getting anything. You're not getting anything new. It's one thing to say that if for the PlayStation plus extra and premium that we are making this $35 price increase, but yeah, you will get at least one, like AAA game every other month or something. But they're not, or even every month. But no, they're not even making that kind of promise. And well, maybe their excuse is, well, we're launching that cloud gaming thing. They're going to really put an emphasis on cloud streaming. Daikai. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to get geeky in 2015 about it, yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that I think that once they launch that formally, it's in beta right now. Maybe that's how they sell it. It's like this is what we were working on. But I don't think that's enough to warrant it, especially when Microsoft's doing it the same thing and has been for a much, much lower price with arguably a better service. I don't know. It's yeah, you're right. It's confusing timing. It's confusing with the amount of money that this is going up. And yeah, I think it's gonna make a lot of people have a real like moment, which is, do you need to buy this? I mean, for me, it runs. If you have a subscription currently, it'll run currently till you get to renewal. Then you get these new prices. So yeah. I've paid for the plus extra, which was a hundred dollars at the time in April. So I'm good until then. I'll see what they get by then, um, especially coming up on the holidays especially end of the year stuff, if there's any like, hey, it's end of the year, so some of the good games from the beginning of the year, you now get at the end of the year. Um, see what happens. Otherwise, come that April, mm-hmm. I'm probably either going to cancel it or drop it down to the just the essential. Yeah. 
And that's probably where I'm at too, because I think mine doesn't expire until next July or June. So I got a while. But we'll see. They just need yeah, they just need to do more to make that high price worth it, I think is where where I'm at. Yep. Anyway, so that was your bonus news story for the day. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you played a video game. Um, yeah. I know you didn't play Starfield, but you did end up playing and streaming Goodbye Volcano High. Yes, and for two reasons I will be brief. One, because I streamed it. So if you want to see my in live in-person reactions, you can look at our twitch.tv uh, or YouTube page where both sites should have archives of that those streams. Um, side note, uh, and the other thing being, it's a narrative adventure game. So I can't really speak much about the... Uh, story of the game because that's the whole game and i don't want to spoil anything what i will say so far is i am two chapters in so roughly an hour and a half um it's supposed to be like a full six hour experience so um i'm about uh, like i guess a third into it roughly um so yeah i'm excited to play more of it i'll probably bounce back into that next week after i kind of take starfield for a little bit of a ride uh, and finish that up because yeah i really like it so far it's a good one of those narrative adventure games it reminds me a lot of life life is strange so if you like okay. the life is strange games you'll love goodbye volcano high same kind of high school story kind of vibes same kind of like conversations about like you know drama with parents drama with other students and even mini games to break up the the narrative in this case rhythm games and the rhythm games are fun to play there's a lot of like rock band style preparing for notes as they hit the the thing hit the, your little uh zones there's a lot of um waiting for like uh, a beat to come to press a button and it all correlates with your uh with the song that's playing in the background and your uh ability to do those uh notes correctly actually does affect the story and whether people think you did a good job in those performances which is pretty neat um yeah i really like where it's going so far i'm having a lot of fun with it and i am really endeared to the characters i know some people are going to automatically just not like the art style and i understand where that's coming from it doesn't bug me as much as it does bug other people but i've noticed that that seems to be a very big dividing line to where you end up landing on this I was going to ask you that because when I saw you stream it, the art style is what immediately stood out to me. Yeah. You either love it or hate it. I think it's right. really going to like attract some people and it's going to detract other people. I'm kind of in the middle about it. I don't love, love it, but I do like some of the designs of some of the characters. And I like the world and like the atmosphere of it enough that I'm not thinking a lot about the individual design choices of those dinosaurs. Uh, but it's fun, and they do some creative things with the format, which I appreciate. And the rhythm games are fun enough not to feel like they're a like a um, like the the worst part of the experience or distracting or any way from the actual game. I'm having a blast with it, and I'm looking forward to see how the story wraps up. All right, um, and you'll be streaming it through the entire story then. Yeah, so I'll pick up where I left off next week. I think this week, like I said, Thursday, I'll probably just do Starfield stream. But I won't be streaming all of Starfield, obviously. So <laughs> next Tuesday, a week from today after the show, I'll probably jump back into uh, Goodbye Volcano High and start with uh, Chapter 3. All right, sounds good. Uh, I haven't played anything. 
Um, yeah, I'm just kind of on a little hiatus right now. Fair enough. Um, uh, next thing, I mean, next game that's on my plate that I'm looking forward to is Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Two. Yeah, but that's October. Yes, right. I know it's next month. It's coming soon. But yeah, that's the next thing that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another side note, real briefly, they showed more footage of Super Mario Brothers Wonder, um, at a Nintendo Direct. I didn't include it here because there was really we didn't learn a whole lot. Uh, just confirmed um, some playable characters and it confirmed some modes. Uh, but yeah, that game looks a lot of fun. I think that'll be the next game that after Starfield uh, that I'll probably uh, check out. So looking forward to that as well. That's October twentieth for that one. Okay. So a couple of good October games coming out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on over then out of video games and into television. Television. Uh, all right. We start? start with we always do, which is the sports corner. And uh, sports have happened uh, in baseball. First of all, we have another elimination from the playoffs. Sorry, you just weren't good enough. Kansas City Royals, you didn't make it in. Yeah, we have to preface this is the Patrick Mahomes part owner, yes. Kansas City Royals. <laughs> but yes, as we've talked about last week, uh, the A's and the Royals were kind of neck and neck for worst records in the league. So it makes sense that the week after the A's don't cut it, that the Royals also are in the same boat. It is noted, though, since that has happened, they've switched places in the standings, and the A's are now actually ahead of the Royals, uh, but not by a whole lot. By a game, and that is thanks to the Angels being swept by yeah. the A's. <laughs> so, so yeah, needless to say, uh, it's not the, the they're not the best team, but at least they're slightly better than Kansas City. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no surprises here. They weren't even close to being in the running this entire season. So pour one out for the Royals. Moving on, we have Deion Sanders, who won his first D1 game as Colorado's head coach against TCU. Yep, this was the big game uh, in college football over the past weeks, as it was week one. Uh, Deion Sanders, the new head coach of Colorado, came in, and his son, Shamir uh, Sanders, Right, quarterback of Colorado, um, put up 500 passing yards Woo. against TCU, who was the runner-up in last year's championship game. They lost to Georgia, the eventual winners. Uh, but yeah, I mean, t- for Colorado to beat basically the what was the number two team mm-hmm. from last year. Big statement. I mean, enough to, that the uh, college AP polls came out today, and they are officially ranked in the top 25 at 22. But anyways, um, <laughs> they're still, still in the top 25. <laughs> yeah, and still technically. Still technically. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what else they do um, as they take on Nebraska. They are one of the more exciting teams because of Deion Sanders and his unconventional ways of both recruiting and coaching, especially with his son at quarterback. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it feels like a feel good story that you want to root for. But a little weird. I mean, yes. Oh. When when <laughs> you hear about like coaching your son in football, you think Pop Warner, not D1 college football. <laughs> yeah, no, kind of different kind of thing, but whatever. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, but um, I guess uh, the beginnings of maybe an interesting career as head coach. Yeah, uh, college football is beginning. If you're able to watch it, we'll get into that real shortly. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But in the meantime, let's move on back to U.S. Open Tennis, which continues with its finals on Sunday. Uh, they are This upcoming Sunday, go to your local bar if you're unable to watch it, maybe. Yeah. Again, we'll get there. And then lastly in sports news, unless you have more, uh, the NFL kickoff, the official first game of the season proper, is on Thursday with the Lions versus the Chiefs. Speaking of your Mahomie Mahomes. Yes, I drafted Patrick Mahomes and the <laughs> running backs of Taylor and Swift. Yes. So, so yeah. So looking forward to Mahomie Taylor Swift team <laughs> to see how they do. Uh that being said, I guess part video game, part t- part sports, uh, fantasy football. This is your final warning yes. uh, to draft teams before Thursday. Your team must be, technically your team doesn't have to be drafted before week one, mm-hmm. but if you draft this upcoming weekend, you miss that game between the uh, Lions and the Chiefs. Yeah. And we've already had the first casualty of fancy football season as number one tight end and usually typical first round uh, draft pick Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. suffered a uh, leg injury today. Yikes. Hyperextended his leg. Currently doubtful for the kickoff game on Thursday in two days from this recording. Yikes. And let me tell you, it sucks having him. <laughs> I bet. Because I, I had him does. stacked with Mahomes <laughs> as my one-two pick. <laughs> really put a wrench in things, doesn't it? It no. does, doesn't it? Especially you know when you see like, oh, my tenants expected to get fifteen points because he's Travis Kelsey. Yep. Oh wait, no, that's a big fat zero now. <laughs> oh well, I'm sure you've 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 drafted accordingly. Uh, yes, I have two potential backups. One in the quarterback tight end combo that is Taysom Hill. And the other in Mr. Musgraves. Oh. Yes, there is a Mr. Musgraves now um, on the Packers tight end. Rookie. So, yes, I did pick him up strictly on based on his last name. So I figured he will give me some golden hour points. <laughs> Maybe, but only at exactly four in the afternoon. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on. Anything else in sports that we need to talk about? Uh, yes, this upcoming week would be the first weekend of Red Zone. Make sure you have access to Red Zone. Uh, otherwise, good luck trying to find it. Yes, um, also, side note of we talked about it earlier, just one reminder NFL Sunday Ticket is a part of YouTube TV YouTube this TV. year. Yes. No longer direct TV, it is YouTube TV this year. Uh, meaning you have to sign up for YouTube TV to get. NFL Prime NFL Prime ticket mm-hmm. uh, sports package where you'll be access to all of the games. Uh, and that's just for Sundays or Sunday, Saturday, Monday, whatever. Um, however, hopefully, depending on who your cable provider is, <laughs> you may or may not have access to Monday Night Football. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about it. 
This doesn't affect a lot of people, but it affects just enough people where we should probably do a little PSA and tell everybody. If you are a Spectrum subscriber, you may have gotten an email this week, or maybe just heard from the grapevine that, yes, it will be difficult to watch Disney channels. Uh, that includes ESPN, but it also includes FX, ABC, Freeform, all sorts of different things, because they're having a little dispute at the moment. So, Disney's TV channels, ABC, ESPN, FX, Freeform, went dark on Thursday for Charter Spectrum customers, the country's second largest cable TV provider, with 14.7 million subscribers, including both people on this call. Yep. The blackout happened at a critical time, with ESPN's networks broadcasting both the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament in the middle of a number one ranked Spanish star Carlos Alcaraz's match. Alcaraz? Alcaraz? Alcaraz. Alcatraz without the T? Yeah. As many as, as well as a college football game between Utah and the University of Florida. That is exactly how I found out about this. Oh, you were watching that and it just blipped? Oh, right before they kicked it off. Wow. At 5.04. That was They did the introductions. They said 5.04. They went to kickoff, and then it just cut. Jeez. See, I found out from a message board post. I was like, oh, okay, this is happening. Anyway, because I don't watch a whole lot of live TV anymore, so yeah. Anyway, Spectrum customers in the country's top two media markets of New York and Los Angeles are both impacted by these blackouts. Quote, We've been in ongoing negotiations with Charter Communications for some time and have not yet agreed to a new market-based agreement. This is Disney saying in a statement Thursday, acknowledging the blackout. Meanwhile, Spectrum states that, quote, the Walt Disney Company has removed their programming from Spectrum, which creates hardship for our customers. We offer Disney a fair deal, yet they are demanding an excessive increase. They also want to limit our ability to provide greater customer choice in programming packages forcing you to take and pay for channels you may not want. Last October, Disney's channels, including ESPN and and ABC, went dark on the satellite TV service Dish Network and Sling TV in a similar dispute. The channels were offline for a couple of days before the companies reached that deal. And in late 2021, Disney's channels went dark on YouTube TV, but also returned after a deal was reached in a couple of days. It's been a couple of days. And we have no notes about Spectrum. So it looks like they're holding out a little longer uh, than these previous disputes have. So what does that mean for you? Well, you have a couple of options. First of all, in Spectrum's emails, they say, hey, we'll give you a discount on FUBU if you want ESPN and, and Disney and all that stuff. So I checked that out. I did some consumer report sleuthing for everybody this week. I clicked on that link just to see what they were offering. It's not a whole lot. It's a 35% discount on FUBU. So if you want the basic FUBU package, it's like $70 if you for the year or no, a month, sorry. And mm-hmm. if you want like the premium FUBU, it's like originally like $100. So what this does is it brings those prices down to like 50 and 70 respectively. For the first, I think they said three months that you're a subscription. So a subscriber, either two or three months. Not to me personally, not enough of a discount. Like if you like that also requires you to co-cancel what you what you have with Spectrum right now, basically, unless you want to pay twice for the same thing. 
I mean, it didn't seem like a great solution to me. It just seemed like a way for them to get around not having a solution by partnering with another company to provide a solution. Uh, so yeah. Here's the problem with that also is that FUBU not available on all streaming platforms. Right. Meaning, specifically how I use it, is the PlayStation 5 does not have a FUBU option. Ooh, that sucks. I believe it's on Apple TV, so I think I would have an yes. option. But I looked at the prices and I was like, well, this isn't worth it. However, I did find out, though, for future references, for future reference, for anybody who cares about this kind of thing, it's got the regional sports networks. That was That's a shocker to me. I did not know that about FUBU. And so now I'm like, well, if I ever find myself in a very extravagant uh, position, now I at least know that I, if I want to spend the money, FUBU has my back when it comes to baseball. So there's that. But um, not really a solution for the Disney stuff. So yeah, I guess we well, hey, just... you only have to worry about baseball for the next month. Or if you're an Angels fan for the next two weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or never, apparently. Uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, so we'll see what actually happens there between Disney and Spectrum. We'll obviously provide updates if they do make a new deal. But for now, you're shit out of luck unless you go somewhere else. Yes. Uh, I mean... It's hard to pick a side of who is right and who is wrong in this. They're both they both suck. Because they both suck. Yeah. Um, however, my money is on Spectrum being the worst of these because <laughs> I am paying Spectrum to have access to these channels. Yes. Meaning that it's up to them to provide me these channels in whatever means possible. Especially when you're paying an extra $35 a month for the sports package and they don't even provide you with said sports package. Yeah, and it's even suckier that they're blaming Disney for like, like, hey, well, it's because of them that we have to raise your prices. Maybe pointing to the people who pay them. It's like, wait, no one said you had to do that. You're choosing to do that to, to eat some of the costs that Disney wants you to choose. That's You don't have to do that. You're telling us you're going to, which sucks. Right, because you want to maintain and increase your profits. I see right. it. Yeah. They don't uh, I mean, then counter to them, they're saying that Disney is bad because this is what Disney's been doing and has been doing for literal years now, almost decades, where they package their TV bundles together. Yes. You may not want Nat Geo. You may not you're want Disney Junior. You may not want XD. But if you're going to get ESPN, you're going to get all those channels. Right. So, yeah. Again, we'll see what happens with it. Uh, we'll keep everybody updated. But for now, this maybe got me to want to cancel my TV choice package. I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I only had it for Jeopardy. It, I mean, I only had, I mean, really, we only have it for originally to watch the Dodgers because they had Spectrum. Right. And then because that's the only we can watch uh, yeah. both the um, Angels and the Kings, regional sports yeah. and Ducks and Clippers. Yeah. I'm going to, I think um, my plan is, is I'm going to keep it through the baseball playoffs. And then after the playoffs, I'm going to cancel it. And then Christy has a HDMI TV antenna. Mm -hmm. I'm going to dig that out and just cross my fingers that it gets our local stations. So this whole like conundrum has actually gotten even us to consider <laughs> what do we need Spectrum for right. besides internet? Yeah, Can we look into streaming, which not to like put my own like horn here, <laughs> but something to consider when I first moved out here right? to be like, hey, do we need cable? We have all these other streaming options. So mm -hmm. we're kind of looking at like a Hulu and Hulu plus 
live TV. TV. Yeah, I think that's a perfect solution to bundle it with ESPN and mm -hmm. Disney Plus yeah. instead of doing the um, YouTube TV route because mm -hmm. we're not going to need the uh, NFL Sunday ticket, as previously mentioned. Mm -hmm. If whenever we watch football, it's going to be Red Zone or you it's going to be NBC. You will lose regional sports baseball and hockey. Yes. We noticed that, yes, which so, is why we looked into FUBU yeah. or Bally's Direct, but Bally's, uh, Direct, Bally Plus Direct streaming is not available on PlayStation, so we'd have to get like a Roku so, or a... Yeah, about that. A, a Chromecast. About that. Uh, maybe if I say, I don't know, upgrade my Apple TV sometime, I might have one. Let's just say that won't have a home. You might have a spare. Just putting that out there. Okay. Um, so I'll let you know. All right. Anyway, <laughs> enough, enough about this. We need to move on because we're yes, we're burning time here. Yes, but hey, that's the big story this week. Yes, because affect fourteen million. Wait, fourteen? Yeah, fourteen point seven million customers. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Turns out. Yeah. All right. What else is going on? Um, I don't know what else is going on. Oh yeah, I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> AMC Networks is in the news this week uh, for uh, making some exceptions for some striking workers as The Walking Dead spinoffs, Daryl Dixon and The Ones Who Live and Interview with the Vampire, are all set to resume production after AMC Networks struck agreements with SAG-AFTRA. It's understood that these three shows are part of interim agreements, we talked about those before here on the podcast, mm -hmm. that will allow filming to resume rather than a blanket agreement between the company and the killed. So production by production deals here, not AMC doing some side talks to the union. AMC Networks is what's known as an authorized company with regards to the AMPTP, but is not among the studios involved in those negotiations that created the strike. Other series on the interim agreement list include Fate Series, The Chosen, Apple TV Plus's Tehran, which was handed an agreement due to its international nature, and Hal and Harper, an indie series from Cha-Cha Real Smooth, the filmmaker, and star Cooper Rafe, starring Lily Reinhart and Mark Ruffalo. We knew about that last one because in our story about the interim agreements, we mentioned that Mark Ruffalo was involved in one of the stars that was part of those. So, uh, yeah, I guess one, what this means ultimately to anybody listening is that if you care about those shows on AMC, they will return sooner than the others will, as they'll actually be able to shoot. However, it'll continue causing this minor controversy among members of SAG-AFTRA about whether these interim deals should even be being made. I think that's not going to go away until the strike ends. Right. It's the um, do's and don'ts of you're getting, they're taking the deal that SAG-AFTRA has on the table, but if you're not a part of those productions, not everyone is getting that deal. Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's good and it's bad because you know you strike in solidarity. Everyone has to be on strike for it to work. But if people are accepting and studios are accept production studios specifically are accepting your terms and conditions, <laughs> why not play ball with them to show that the big studios can do this? They're just choosing not to. Right. It's a weird line that's kind of blurry, uh, but hopefully we won't have to worry about it. For too much longer, uh, but maybe we will. Who knows? Anyway, let's Anyways, move on. Let's move on then. Um, so, uh, speaking of that Spectrum Disney um, strike deal, 
um, FX, one of those um, channels that was affected. Yes. So was the finale of what we do in the shadows as that cut out right as it was beginning. <laughs> yes, but thankfully I watched it on Hulu the day later, so I didn't have to worry about that. Uh, but yes, what we do in the shadows, the FX comedy uh, created, co-created by Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement has ended uh, its fourth season this year. And uh, yeah, wrapped up this past week. It's been a favorite of mine for the last few seasons. Um, and yeah, just another really stellar, really funny season. Uh, and it feels like they're getting close to wrapping the story up. I don't know how many seasons more they have of the show, but it definitely feels as if they're trying to get towards an ending because there was a major uh, change for one of the characters that happened. And it was that character's kind of story arc that drove most of season four. Um, I had a good time with it. I think we liked slightly, uh, slightly preferred season three, the last season. I think it's still their strongest season. This one, a little less. Uh, but I think it was because of the big swing that they took. And it is quite a big swing if you're familiar with the characters. So without spoilers, a lot of stuff happens. And there are really some great funny moments. Also, weird budget increase. It seemed like they were a lot more location shoots, a lot more stuff <laughs> happening, a lot more effects shots than the series has ever attempted before. And so it definitely went some wild places. But overall, I like the previous season better, but still just a great show. One of the best sitcoms on TV. If you're not watching it, you are doing yourself a disservice. And I'm talking to you. <laughs> I know you are. I, it's one of those shows where I keep starting the yeah. season and then I get towards the end of season one. I'm like, Okay, that feels like enough. I don't you can really do it. want to continue. Power through. Season two and three are amazing. They're worth it. They're worth it sticking around with it. Then the other thing is I wanted to touch on something that wrapped up actually a couple of weeks ago that I didn't get a chance to talk about. It may have been one of the weeks that I did the solo show, and maybe that's why. I forget. But um, But yeah, Riverdale on the CW is finally over. Seven seasons have wrapped up. The gang, uh, the gang is uh, done having strange adventures. It's over. So, are they back in their original timeline now? Are they uh, back uh, outside of traveling to the nineteen fifties? I wish I could tell you it was an easy answer. It's not. <laughs> it never is an easy answer with Riverdale. The answer is no. That's the, the short answer. The long answer is much longer and would involve a lot of spoilers. So I'll leave it to everybody to do their own research. But what I will say is somehow they managed to make the last two episodes of this series actually feel kind of poignant and kind of matter. They were able to wrap up most, I will say, of the loose threads and kind of feel like the entire series really came to a close. Uh, they managed to pull it off in a way that I don't think we expected them to. And so that in itself is kind of a minor miracle for this show, which has been a series of roller coaster ups and downs over the last six years. So yeah, uh, it's now available on Netflix already. So if you're waiting for Netflix to get the most recent season, it's there. So you can catch up. You have all of it at your fingertips. Um, I recommend the musical episodes because they're always the best moments they're just it's a bizarre bizarre show that ended in a bizarre way that continued to be bizarre throughout its entire run uh it did things that i've never seen shows do and i think it did establish a cult following that a lot of shows that, that of this kind don't really establish and so yeah i recommend it if you've heard anything about it and you're like curious at all i recommend 
skipping around seeing the weirdest shit it does because it does definitely do some weird shit. All right. I thought I thought it landed pretty well. That's I mean, I don't say that's good, but at least it landed in a relatively sane. Well, I don't know if that's relatively correct. is the best word I think you yes. can use there. <laughs> All right. Um, I did end up completing hard knocks training with the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that finale was last Tuesday. It's done. Uh, people got their their bum. There's a whole lot of Aaron Rodgers in there. Uh, but then again, it's the Jets. So do I really care? <laughs> Probably no. not. Um, that being said, it did get us to start watching Winning Time Season 2, the um, Laker Dynasty uh, show on HBO. Uh, it did the same thing uh, with the first episode, which is jump forward four years. Yeah. Only to jump back and say, hey, here's how we got to this location. Um, so I'll give my thoughts on it um, when we get to the end. A lot less basketball this time around and a lot oh. more off-season d- dynamics being talked about and being happening. Um, it sets it up for a weird first couple episodes. But then again, I guess that makes sense considering that um, the uh, Magic Johnson got hurt mm-hmm. in his second season. So they're trying to play on like, hey, maybe basketball's not everything. They're trying to like build off of that. But even though it's the Lakers dynasty, it kind of is. We know that by this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Other than that, uh, tonight is, as we are recording, is the finale of The After Party. Sorry, I guess it's tonight. Uh, It's technically a Wednesday show, but they show it like Tuesday, like at night. So we'll have the finale of The After Party to talk about next week. Do you have any final thoughts on who the killer is? I honestly am still very confused. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to see how they wrap it all up. Um, Yeah, and we'll talk about it next week, which is exciting, because yeah, we'll have a whole Mystery solved, which will be whole another mystery solved. Cool. All right, let's move on then out of television and into cancellations and renewals, shall we? What am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching How I Met Your Father, as Hulu has pulled the plug on that one after two seasons of inexplicable popularity. Um, actually, it wasn't even that popular, but yes, um, no more How I Met Your Father. So, so long for that but that's it for cancellations and renewals that was it uh, uh we have oh, much else to talk about there i think that was it oh uh two other ones the great at hulu canceled after three seasons the great right and uh, the uh, the leakin lawyer renewed for a third season on netflix uh Chrissy's parents recently told her that she, they're watching the lincoln lawyer also i didn't realize why it's called the lincoln lawyer did you know uh, why it's called the lincoln lawyer yeah, because I saw the movie The Lincoln Lawyer. Okay, I did not see the movie The Lincoln Lawyer. So you know, but it has Bradley Cooper in it. Chris, Chris and I managed to have two completely separate ideas for why it was called The Lincoln Lawyer. And both of them managed to not be the truth. And one of them, so let me guess, one of them was a period piece about Abraham Lincoln's lawyer. <laughs> and the other one being about a lawyer who accepts um pro bono work for five dollars 
I really like that second one. That's way more clever than we came up with. The first one is accurate. I, well, sort so semi-accurate. I thought it was about a lawyer who like looked up to Lincoln or something or like idolized the Abraham Lincoln or something. That's what I had thought it was about. Right, like the honest Abe angle. Yeah, exactly. And Christy had thought that it was a Lincoln who operates in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> oh, that's that another one that you do, yeah. Nebraska. Yeah, we, we were both wrong. He just has yeah, a Lincoln. The, he drives the, a Lincoln. Fourth, yes, he drives yeah. a Lincoln. That's the thing. He drives <laughs> uh, the car. The called the Lincoln. The, the uh, fifth way, I guess you could think of this, is that he is a lawyer who is homeless and works all out of Lincoln Park. Ah, uh, but no. But no. But no, it's also not true. But yeah, anyway, so I just wanted to mention that because we, we were bewildered by that. But anyway, now let's move on into some deaths. We had some real rough ones this week. Uh, we start with Robert Klein, age 81. He was a screenwriter, wrote National Lampoon's European Vacation and Classic Weekend at Bernie's. So, so he's not really dead. He's just vacationing in Maine right now with his no, two interns. No, no, let's not. No. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. to Robert Klein. Uh, but yes, the two uh, ones that happened back to back this week. Um, yes. It's a sad day for all the parrot heads out there as Jimmy Buffett, age 76, unfortunately has passed. Of course, known for the huge mega hit margaritaville everybody knows it everybody can sing it it plays in every bar that serves tiki drinks it is a staple of american culture at this point it has spawned hotels restaurants literal communities where you can live <laughs> my mother you lives, know about this <laughs> yes, my mother lives in a margaritaville themed location on margaritaville avenue which she had to pay extra for to live there i believe <laughs> Something like that. So yeah, like the the impact that this man has had is like I can't state it. Like I cannot overstate it. Like there is so much, and the fact that like a little before he passed, it was a big news story that he had finally he had become a billionaire. His holding company had made that much money on his like empire of media that he had established over his years. And it seems like nobody has a bad thing to say about the guy. It's it's not an empire. It's a lifestyle. Yes. And that's how he marketed it. And it was super successful. Like an entire generation like grew up listening to him and part, like patterned their life on his instructions in songs like Margaritaville and Cheeseburger in Paradise and all the rest. Like there's a vibe to the man. And yeah, it's sad to see him go because it seemed like he was just going to be one of those guys that just lived forever. Well, he did pass on Friday before Labor Day happened. Yeah. So come Monday, Ooh. it was mm -hmm. a weekend full of both drinking and reminiscing for all both parrot heads and parakeets yes. around the world. Yes, all of the above. Uh, but yeah, definitely will be missed, uh, but has definitely left a legacy, needless to say. You won't be able to escape him far, far after he's gone. And then lastly, I, a different kind of legacy. We have uh, Steve Harwell, age 56, lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. So, uh, yes, 
Yes. The lead singer and founder of Smash Mouth, not the current singer of Smash right. Mouth. This is key. Uh, so yeah, basically, uh, the couple notes that I want to make about about him. Obviously, a band that made an impact on a generation, our generation specifically. Uh, of course, they're known mostly for All Star, which was their song that was featured in pretty much every trailer for everything between the years 1999 and 2001. If you saw Shrek, you saw All Star. If you saw the often forgot film um, Mystery Men, you saw and heard All Star. Um, it was everywhere, um, and it was hard to escape. And every millennial knows the words to All Star. It's impossible you not to. to get, you don't even have to like go through the entire song. No. You just have to start with "Somebody yeah. Once yeah. Told Me," and everyone can start singing the next lines. Yeah. However, important note though: in recent years, uh, Steve Harwell's reputation did take a little bit of a hit. In 2020, he was outspoken about not wanting to follow COVID protocols when on tour. Uh, this rubbed some people wrong a little bit. There were issues with his, um, I guess, uh, demeanor during shows that caused him to break ties with the band, or more accurately, with the band to break ties with him. And uh, then they only discovered that he had uh, been struggling with liver failure this year. And so that ultimately is what led to his hospitalization and then his death. So, so yeah, it's uh, been kind of a little tumultuous for the last few years of his career. But hey, just like uh, just like uh, 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 Buffett, I mean, he's left a legacy. Uh, All Star will forever be sung by him, unless you're there watching uh, Smash Mouth live um, on recording. That's him, and that's his. You know his vibe in all their videos and all of the stuff that they were in, and it's, it's kind an of iconic voice. It is, yeah, yeah. So he'll be remembered, you know, for the good and the bad. But uh, ultimately, yeah, definitely a loss for people who are around our age. I'd say. So yeah, one for the boomers and one for the millennials this week. It was a real rough week, and some for both in between. <laughs> yeah, and who knows? Maybe follow fall somewhere in the middle of that. All right. That's it for deaths. Let's move into our last segment of the show, which is movies. And we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. This week, your number one movie, premiering at number one, was The Equalizer 3 with a $34 million debut. Congrats, Denzel. I guess so, yeah. Number two, Barbie with another $10 million. That's at $609. That's quite a lot of money. <laughs> well, is uh, happy that thing made money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Number three, Blue Beetle with another $7 million. That's at a measly 56 compared to 609. That is a big difference, folks. And then number four, Gran Turismo with another $6.5 million. That's at 28. I hope it makes its money in the streaming realm because it's not making it in the box office. And then rounding out your top five is Oppenheimer with a $5.6 million week. That's at 338, which is still pretty good for that kind of movie. So it will also sit comfortably through the rest of the year, just like Barbie. Moving on to new releases for the week. We have a couple of uh, counter-programming examples for you here. If you want some... Uh, Creepy horror uh, early October preview action. You can go see The Nun 2 to get your scary nun on. Or 
if you want cozy uh, seaside adventures with your familiar Greek family, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 is in theaters this week. And both of those have gotten really huge marketing pushes in the last two weeks right. to let you know they are coming out. They are here. Uh, they really want you to see these movies and not just see Barbie for the fifth time. So good luck. Moving on. Our first story in movie news takes us back to uh, revisit a story we talked about. Uh, it doesn't fit. I was hoping this Chiron would fit. It's a really dumb joke. <laughs> anyway, sorry, it doesn't. And the last word is made. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, I try. Um, and so, yeah. Um, this is well, a, you don't uh, want to say the greatest B.O. film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, B.O. films is something else. Anyway, so yes, this is a part two of our story about Taylor Swift's Eras Tour concert film. After the announcement, the tickets went live. And right away, according to sources... The AMC distributed film has clocked $37 million or more from the three big theater circuits. That's AMC, Regal, and Cinemark in only its first 24 hour of pre-sales. That's definitely higher than day one pre-sales of Star Wars The Force Awakens, which was only $20 million. The current opening weekend projection for Taylor Swift The Eras Tour is $70 million, at least right now. Box office sources are figuring that pre-sales represent roughly 50% of the pick's opening weekend. That opening weekend for the Eras Tour is poised to be a record debut for a concert movie, easily, burying all other notable openings, and potentially all running domestic box office for the subgenre, i.e. Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus' Best of Both Worlds concert, which had a $31 million opening and only made $65.2 million total back in 2008, Michael Jackson's This Is It, which made 23.2 in its opening weekend and its total of 72 back in 2009. Justin Bieber's Never Say Never, which made 29.5 in its first weekend and then 73 total. In one weekend, this thing has a uh, chance at obliterating that record. And I think it will. Tickets are on sale now, like you said, $1989 for adults, $1313 for kids, slash seniors discounted. You know it's bad because I've already seen, saw the TikToks the day later of Swifties complaining that their local theater already sold out before they could even get in queue. There were queues for AMC theaters. There was a queue. So they announced it like 5.30 in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. It was a Good Morning America like yeah. announcement. I woke up around 6.30. When I was on there, 6.30 a.m., the morning they announced it, there was a queue. It only lasted five minutes, but there was still a queue. <laughs> Wild. It's incredible. I was up at 5.30, and I saw this uh, trending on Twitter X. And then I was like, what is this? Wait, this got announced? I knew this was getting announced. Wait, <laughs> this is happening now? October? <laughs> Let me try and open the app. It crashed the app. It crashed my phone. I couldn't get into it. <laughs> at all <laughs> that checks out so yeah anyway needless to say it'll uh you know that's just the way it's going to be from now on anything that has taylor on it that's involved buying a ticket it's going to be a quest to get it uh but yeah unless that's surrounded by other movie stars like amsterdam oof yeah seriously anyway so yeah like i said before we'll have more news about that in october let's move on to some gatekeeping from the dga allegedly any, allegedly 
So yes, the Directors Guild of America, in a circulated email, uh, one member, a prominent member, openly advocated against the against the election of 10 writer-directors to the Guild's board earlier this month on the grounds that they weren't, quote, primarily, that they were, sorry, quote, primarily writers, unquote, and hailed from, quote, fringe groups, unquote. The list includes writer-producer Boots Riley, Oscar-winning CODA writer-director Sean Hader, actor-filmmaker Justine Bateman, yes, those Batemans, actor-writer Paul Shear, and Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin. The email prompted DGA President Leslie Linka-Glatter to contact the members listed in the email to assure them that the move was not condoned by the top DGA leaders. The emailed memo was sent two days ahead of the DGA's August 5th biennial national convention held at the DGA Theater with the subject line, quote, director members from fringe groups that we have asked, been asked not to support, end quote. At the time, it had not been made public that the names referenced in the email were seeking election to the board. None of those mentioned in Montanti's email, oh, we have a name, uh, <laughs> I think you skipped oh, it earlier, yeah. uh, were ultimately voted in. The relatively public nature of the email and its pointed message about fellow DGA members is a rare example of politicking inside the union that usually keeps its family business private. So, basically, for the layman here, there was this list of 10 writers that wanted to join the board of directors. And this was one prominent member that was trying to use his, I'm going to assume his, largesse here and basically try to influence the people he could influence not to vote for them just based on that they weren't in the in part of the the, the dj his hip cool like tried and true detector group it, it's more that they're not true directors they're not true auteurs like us no they are yeah. writer directors they're actor directors they're producer directors they only want to be on the board so they can help influence from the writer side from the actor yeah. side from the producer side no we want true directors in the DGA board. And if that's all that it was, then sure. But the thing is, but even then I have problems with that because yeah, a writer director is just as much of a director as anybody else. Let's let's face it. Mm -hmm. It requires the same skill set, if not more specialized skill set to be able to do both and balance that kind of work. The real problem here is the loaded language of fringe groups, especially when you look at some of the people that are on this list. Boots Riley Black, Sean Hader wrote a movie about oh, like a, about the blind community or not the blind community, the deaf community. Deaf sorry, community. yeah, Coda. Like, like th there's very clear load a loaded kind of vibe to the language being used here that makes me think that there's more than just these group of people being writer directors, and that broadening the diversity of the DGA board of directors seems like something that they're trying to avoid instead of actively encourage. Not great. Not a great look. No, it also shows the infighting between the unions because remember, the DGA is the only one to sign have a signed contract from yeah. the AMPTP uh, production companies. They broke what was... Uh, looking to be at the time mm -hmm. a triple strike threat to hollywood yeah but they signed so this is just them once again it looks like going against the interests of actors and writers yeah 
It's 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 not it's the opposite of solidarity, absolutely, especially mm -hmm. during these strikes. It looks bad in every way. And obviously they didn't expect this email to be leaked. Uh, but the fact that it is is even more damning, right? No one expects emails to be right. leaked. Exactly. Everyone starts apologizing, not because it got leaked, but I mean, if they don't apologize for what was said in it, they apologized because it was leaked. Right. Because it got out. It's just, it's brutal, and it's really gatekeepy, and it sucks in so many ways. And yeah, um, that's just the truth, though. You're right. It, it really is just a peek behind the curtain of what probably has always happened in the DGA and similar entertainment unions. Unions as a whole are good. They can be used as forces of good. However, a lot of people, anybody in Hollywood will tell you that it does not mean that there are not drama in the, in the middle of them that sometimes does have an ugly face to it. Uh, I'm reading a book right now that's actually really face fascinating. I'm I'm not. I don't have the whole the full title on me right now, but basically it's about the founding of the Academy, like the the uh, Academy of uh, Motion Pictures, and it's not specifically about the Oscars. And while the Oscars were essentially made, the Academy Awards exists because uh, it was a labor fight, like a way to fight a labor union. It was before the unions existed and they wanted to, or no, it was after the unions existed and they wanted to try to use it as kind of like a wedge for union issues. And so there's always been infighting and politicking going on in these unions. It's just that it sometimes comes out and leaks out in other sources, whether it's through award shows or whether it's through leaked emails like this. It's always brutal. It's not pretty, even in something that's allegedly and for the most part, a good in this in the industry. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens with this. But yeah, it doesn't look great. Yep. Uh, but as mentioned uh, in video game news, striking for the SAG-AFTRA and striking for the WGA continues as yes. WGA, I believe, enters their fourth month now Yeah. of um, being on strike. Month four. Oh, will it ever end? We'll see. But in the meantime, there's lots of video games to play, so you can do that. Yeah, until they strike for that. <laughs> yeah, well. Anyway, thanks for joining us. That will do it for the movie section, and that will do it for the Media Boat Podcast this week. We do not have a fan question this week, but thank you for sending them in. If you want to send them in, you can email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com, and we will reply to them on the air. So send us some messages, why don't you? In the meantime, we'll be back for another episode next week of the Media Boat Podcast. That will be our big Starfield extravaganza, the video game section, so tune in for that that you can watch in video form on youtube by going to youtube and searching media boat podcast finding our channel and hitting like subscribe and the little bell for notifications when we have a new video up you can also find on that youtube channel the recent uh, archives of my goodbye volcano high streams from twitch you can also find us, our podcast, in audio form on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search Media Boat Podcast to find our shows. You can also find us on social media. We're on the artist formerly known as Twitter at, at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our page there. You can find us on MediaBoatPodcast.com. And on twitch.tv slash mediaboat, where, like I said, I've been playing some Goodbye Volcano High, and on Thursday, I'll play some Starfield. So tune in for that. 
Thanks for uh, joining us. Well, yes. update on the uh, Twitter X. Uh, the social media share has been disabled since they switched the right. URL. Yes. Um, it's currently not available, um, so I have to post a little actual link. Stay <laughs> tuned. I noticed that last week when uh, the the link for the uh, episode did not go up, but I did see your right. um, tweet for going live for twi- Twitter went up. I was like, for Twitch went up. I was like, wait, where are the episodes? Yeah, so, the automatic tweeting is all broken. You have to yep, do everything manually now. now. Yep. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week for another show, so tune in then. In the meantime, have a good week, everybody. Yeah, well, actually, we'll have more news, more thoughts, more of us, our thoughts on After Party, mm-hmm. and our thoughts on, uh, what's the music we got for next week? Uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, Olivia talk Rodrigo. About guts. guts. Do you have guts. it? I mean, we'll have it all next week on episode 400. Agro Crag time. Let's go. All right. Yeah. Talk guys. to you guys next week. All right, bye. bye.